0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Wyatt Grumwalt. I'm a senior at Eldon High School. Um, Eldon's about 30 minutes away from here, close to the lake. I don't know if any of you really heard of it. Um, Over the past six years, I've been a part of the youth since seventh grade. I've had the chance to make a lot of friends and build some very strong relationships and make a lot of memories. I try to make it to church every Sunday. And I try to participate in almost all the weekend events. But I make it, I'm sure to make it to all the mission trips because they're probably the funnest time of my year and one of the things I look forward to the most. But because of all of the athletics and how busy my schedule is throughout the school year, sometimes I don't get to make it to all of those because of just instances of my own personal schedule, which I'm sure all of you have had conflicts with in the past. Um. And so what I've regretted over the past few years sometimes is having too much of a busy schedule and not being able to build on those opportunities to make lasting relationships for a lifetime to come, but also not being able to be, to be there more and serve more, which brings me to my next topic of serving. Acts 20.35 says, In all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I can relate a lot to this verse, especially over the week of mission trip and when we do our little weekend events, because we just it's so fulfilling and so much fun to serve. You just you go out and you help people and just to see the gratitude on their face and how happy they are that you're there caring about them and that you're not worrying about yourself. Whether it be, from my own personal experiences, mulching a school in Asheville, North Carolina, helping get a school ready in Joplin after the tornado, painting a house in Oklahoma City, or getting getting orders ready at a food bank in Denver, Colorado. All those events have not only changed my life, but I'm sure have changed the lives of others because of the work that we've done and the the things that we've helped them with, and so to me, serving is so mu- so much fun and fulfilling. And at the end of the day, it makes me feel so good and just so humbled at the same time, seeing how seeing how much need there is in the world, but also the potential that I have to help people in the world. Which, but at the end of the day, we also have to remember that serving isn't in, isn't for our own self and for our own enjoyment and fulfillment. We are we are also serving for the Lord to be His disciples to be show His love for others, which brings me to my next verse, Matthew twenty twenty eight, which says, "That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served, and then to give away His life in exchange for the many who are held hostage." I think these verse verses coincide and go together because Acts twenty thirty five is God telling us what to do, telling us where our mission is as His children, telling us our duties as people and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. He's telling us that we need to help each other, to care for each other, to serve each other. But in this verse, Matthew twenty twenty-eight, He's showing us, He's leading us by example. He's showing us through the ultimate sacrifice by giving His life so that we, His His people, His children, could have the the ch- opportunity at eternal life in heaven alongside him. He's leading us by example and telling us, he's telling us how to do it and then showing us what to do. Which, and now because of the short time that I have with you today, to my in my conclusion, this is how I can relate it to my own life. I'm an athlete, as I said earlier. I encourage you to try working out your spiritual muscle. God designed one in every single one of us. One of the things that I hate about lifting, because I have to lift in order to stay competitive, to be stronger, to be faster, is squat. I'm sure all of you have been there, done that, had those three-week work exp- three three-week workouts that just seem to not happen out as well as you, as you would like. And so, but I know I have to do it if I want to be better, if I want to be stronger, if I want to be faster. There's no excuses. There's no way of getting around it. There's no reason for me not to if I want to achieve my goal. Just like if you want to achieve a stronger relationship with God, you have to start small and build on that and work out your spiritual muscle. Because the the stronger that gets, the stronger your relationship with Him is and the more you grow in Christ. And one way I know to accomplish that is by serving. Because it's not only fun, and fulfilling, but it also brings you closer to Him. And lastly, what I want to leave you with today is that if you serve on a daily basis throughout the week, that's outstanding. Please keep doing it. I encourage you to. But if not, if you sometimes do but don't, but typically, typically don't, then I encourage you this, out, this upcoming week, please try it daily. See if you like it. See how it makes you feel. See if you can get addicted to it and that it can change your life. And lastly, if you're in need of service, please don't be afraid to call out on your brothers and sisters in Christ because that's what we're here to do. We're here to help. We're here to love. We're a family. At the end of the day, we're here for each other. We're all each other has. And so, in o- overall, what I'm asking you to do is to please just serve and love. Thank you. God bless you.
1: Good morning. Uh, I'm Joshua Hilliard. I'm a senior at Jefferson City High School, and I've been going here since eighth grade. Um, My scripture for today's sermon is from Romans 1, I mean, Romans 2, 1 through 4. Uh, and that's the Message Translation. Um, those people are on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground where you can point a finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to no know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in our own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't easily diverted. He sees right through all such mode screens and holds you for what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing a finger at others would distract, you, would distract you from God from seeing your misdemeanors and coming down on you hard? Or did you think that just because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? But I think this went through from the beginning. God, or, or did you think that, yeah, oh my God, God is kind, but he is not soft. In kindness, he takes, up, takes us firmly by the hand and leads us to a radical life change. As a senior in high school, I am surrounded by various people. And as in every, there is in every generation, there's, very, there's different cliques that those people belong to or claim ownership to. As a Christian, it is easy for me to tag on a sin category along with the social labeling. I, know, I claim I know their faults without even putting myself in their, into their own shoes. In Romans 2, Paul shows us how easy it is for us to judge people and criticize others to hide our own faults and put a plastic face over our own that is always smiling. As a preacher's kid, my dad always went to a new church. In that new church, I had to meet new kids. New kids often would judge, pass their judgment on me. They would think I would be easily like, used or that I was always smiling because I was a preacher's kid. How easy it is for us to judge and label those who we know nothing about. Too often, we want to live by the social norms because society likes conformity and uniformity. We become fearful of letting down our guard and letting people in. We like to have rules, and we want everyone to play by our own rules, and not theirs. In the game of rules, we want acceptance and fear of being alone, and we fear being alone. So we put up a wall, and we man the defenses, and let no one get through, because we don't want anyone hurting us. One person who inspired me uh, recently, about a year ago, was a man named Chad, um, at first glance, you would definitely not think he was a Christian. You wouldn't even think he's a youth minister. He, was a, he worked at First Night Methodist right across the way. He had tattoos all up and down his arms. He had huge gauges in his ears, and he had a very unique sense of style. People were tend to be put off by him, but he lived a life dedicated to our Lord. He loved our Lord more than anything in the world. I guarantee you God loved him back tenfold. You see, we've always had a mental picture in our head that if you, have a, if you are a Christian, you have to walk a certain way and talk a certain way. We often rush judgment and think, oh, well, they're not going to heaven, or I feel sorry for them. Why? Because they're different? Because they don't live, to, they don't live up to our rules or our standards? Who are we to judge? According to Romans 2, only God alone. When we consider Jesus, we must realize that he was very different as well. He did not ride in on a white stallion like a conquering hero. Rather, he rode in on a donkey as a suffering servant. He didn't live up to the expected norms of the society. He didn't live up to being the savior they thought that he would be. He didn't even fit the believer's standards of what a savior would look like at that time. Paul demonstrates to us that when we let our guard down, we are freed from bondage and judging. When we conform to the rules of society, we become imprisoned by the walls we build up. Referring to Luke 4, Jesus proclaims that he has come to break the bondage of this world and free it of all its slaves. Paul finally figured this out and he shares this with us. We are called to the way of kindness defined by God, not our own way. We are commissioned to be a to we are commissioned to a radical life change. In which we share in our brokenness and we are made whole by the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is my personal life mission. What about you? We are called to be people freed from judging and empowered for loving. I challenge all of us to be people freed from judging and empowered for loving. Thank you. God bless.
2: Good morning. Um, I'm Hope Watson and I've been here since I was born, but... um, (laughs) um, All right, so I want to talk about Moxie, mostly because it's the gateway to discovering fervor for life. It's this idea of bold fearlessness, and it's an absolute force of character. Insanely enough, this slang term was popularized during the Depression era, a time when people had every reason to be terrified, and yet it embodies exactly what it means to be unafraid. Moxie. Maybe a story will better explain exactly what I, what I mean. During my freshman year at a golf tournament in Kansas, I made the rookie mistake of taking advice um, on a ruling from my fellow competitor instead of the rules official. When my fuming coach came marching towards me a few moments later, he knew he didn't need words to chastise f- me for my mistake. His very presence on that hole was enough to let me know that I had done something wrong, a penalty would be assessed for my actions, and my team's ultimate place in the tournament was jeopardized. As soon as his angry eyes diverted their punishing glare, mine filled with tears, and once I started crying, it was the kind that's really difficult to stop. This went on for a few minutes, and even so, um, my competitor, a stranger to me before this moment, approached me and took my face in her hands and she wiped the mascara streaming down my cheeks away and she said look where you're standing. I looked down and I looked back up and she said this is the new tea box of the next hole and what just happened doesn't define you. It was so striking to me that a stranger, my competitor even, was willing to trade fear for courage in the name of bringing me consolation. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable, and I bet she felt awkward, but she took a risk to offer me peace. For the benefit of another person, she exercised moxie. There are a number of stories in the Bible that indicate this is something God wants us to do, and the well-known passage about the parting of the Red Sea is one of them. At this point in Scripture, the Israelites are terrified because of Pharaoh's army um, gaining on their heels. But in Exodus fourteen, fifteen through eighteen, God offers an escape plan. God said to Moses, Why cry out to me, speak to the Israelites, order them to get moving, hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. Split the sea, the Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. Meanwhile, I'll make sure the Egyptians keep up their stubborn chase. I'll use Pharaoh and his entire army, his chariots and horsemen, to put my glory on display so that the Egyptians will realize that I am God. It doesn't say so, but I have to wonder if at this point Moses was thinking, you've got to be kidding me, one man and this stick of wood are going to deliver an entire nation? But he was willing to trust, to take a chance on believing, and to call upon the courage given to him by God, and in turn, God delivered on his promise." Exodus fourteen twenty one through 25 tells us, Then Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and God, with a terrific east wind all night long, made the sea go back. He made the sea dry ground. The sea waters split. The Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters a wall to the right and to the left. The Egyptians came after them in full pursuit, every horse and chariot and driver of Pharaoh racing into the middle of the sea. It was now the morning watch. God looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud on the Egyptian army and threw them into a panic. He clogged the wheels of their chariots, and they were stuck in the mud. I think it's possible that at this point, Moses was thinking, you've got to be kidding me, for an entirely different reason. Because God lent him his fearlessness, the Israelites actually reached refuge. Every day, opportunities to silence fear and shout courage present themselves to us in the form of impulses. God calls us to transfigure these urges into action in his name. Let's not be confused. If, if, <clears throat> let's not be confused. It would have been impossible for Moses to summon the bravery to conquer the Egyptians if it weren't for the assurance of God's faultless plan. But he had it, and because of that, glory was brought to the Lord. We can be certain that when God asks us to do something, even if it's scary, that it'll be worth it. We have but to seize these opportunities when they present themselves. In the John F. Kennedy Museum in Dallas, there's an exhibit case holding a china plate, a water glass, and a full spread of flatware. This was the plate set for the president set for the president at an event to be held the afternoon of his assassination, an event to which he would never arrive. As I stood there staring at it, I for the first time in my life sensed the brevity of this lifetime. JFK was no stranger to courage. Unfrightened by unexplored territory, he sent the first man to the moon. Unshaken by dictatorship, he avoided disaster with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Undeterred by opposition, he ended racial racial segregation. Even his opportunities to act courageously were limited by death. However, he had a philosophy for making the most of the time offered to him. He said, There is, in addition to a courage with which men die, a courage by which men must live. A lifestyle was what he was calling for, and God does too. He wants every day to be a conscious choice to live fearlessly. He doesn't ask us to do it alone. He offers his strength, his encouragement, and his peace to us. But he does demand it, and who are we to disobey the king of the universe? We know that by God's assurance, we can conquer fears and change lives. So with this in mind, it is with forceful fortitude, unrelenting resolve, uncompromising commitment, and a bit of moxie that we can set out to change this world in the name of our Lord.